A COVID diagnosis can become a force field, preventing you from facing accountability. If you're a politician, boy, I wonder if Patrick Brown's going to come down with it. Then one of our newest rebels discusses the great work he's been doing on the streets of Ottawa to hold politicians from all parties to account. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, but you are watching The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Do you know how I knew the vaccine mandates for federal workers and rail and airline travelers were set to fall? Well, the morning of the night the announcement leaked, Trudeau got COVID again. It seems as though every time he has to walk back from something ridiculous or has an angry public to hide from, Trudeau gets COVID or has to self-isolate upon suspicion of COVID. But the same goes for public health officers, who are also so frequently just politicians who are unelected and unaccountable, but nonetheless political. I mean, just look at the United States' Anthony Fauci, old three masks, four jabs. Fauci tested positive for COVID-19. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. The, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Now, this may have been a cheap ploy to get out of testifying before a Senate committee in the United States, but... The committee's making him appear via video to account for his pandemic response. And now I'm not saying it was indeed a cheap ploy, because if it were, it didn't work anyway. And frankly, I hope the medical system treats Fauci much better than most other 81-year-olds who come down with COVID. I hope he isn't barred from seeing his family. I hope he isn't locked away in a hospital bed somewhere, desperately alone and denied alternative COVID therapies. Toronto's medical officer of health also tested positive for COVID-19 this week. Four doses of a vaccine, double masking, got COVID anyway, like a chef that gets food poisoning from their very own cooking. But let's go back to Justin Trudeau for a second. Let's go through the times that he's had to self-isolate and compare it to the news of the day that week. It starts way back in March 2020. The coronavirus is emerging from China and creeping across the world. Trudeau's wife catches COVID in London, England at a Kielberger event from a celebrity. I mean, it's just so liberal anyway. So not knowing exactly how to deal with the pandemic and being a lazy and frightened man, Trudeau decided to lock himself in Rideau Cottage and self-isolate from the world and to avoid work and tough decisions when his wife could have just gone to the lake house at Harrington Lake to self-isolate on her own. Fast forward, after two years of every institution meant to protect Canadians failing miserably, Canadian truckers and their supporters decided to take matters into their own hands. They were let down by the courts, let down by the politicians, the opposition parties, and the media who stopped pursuing the truth and quit being skeptics. The truckers were betrayed by their own doctors, by public health officials, by their employers, their schools, and even their own families. Their privacy and autonomy was violated, and they were sick of the coercion. So they did something for themselves. An organic movement began of truckers and their friends and their allies who decided they were headed to Ottawa because if the politicians weren't going to listen to them from afar, they were going to make them listen in their nation's capital. The truckers were set to start arriving on January 28th. Thousands of them. And they did. And they stayed for nearly four weeks until Justin Trudeau invoked a terrorism law called the Emergencies Act 
to euthanize their peaceful protest and seize their assets. But Trudeau, four doses and double masking Trudeau, well, on the 27th of January, he decided that he was going to self-isolate after exposure to COVID-19 through one of his children. Trudeau ended up testing positive on January 31st. He got to hide from the truckers. And I guess it worked, which is why Justin Trudeau is trying it all again. And the timing, once again, very convenient. So we're about two weeks out from the Liberals voting down a Conservative motion to end the discriminatory vaccine mandates placed on rail and train travellers and federally regulated industries. Let me say that again. The Conservatives brought in a motion to end these horrific rules on May 31st, and the Liberals voted it down. Take a look. It's been months. The fiasco at our airports continue. Believe it or not, it's getting worse. More cancelled flights, longer lineups, more delays, lost economic activity, and an international reputation in jeopardy. The minister blames travellers and is telling us that things are just as bad in other countries. And despite all the chaos, experts are saying that dropping the restrictions and mandates must happen to clear the backlogs. The government is keeping these unjustified federal mandates in place till June 30th. If experts are already telling them to drop the virtue signaling, what happens on July 1st? The Honourable Minister of Transport. Mr. Speaker, my Honourable colleague is right in one thing. We are seeing delays at airports across the entire world. We're seeing increased demand for travel, and we're seeing increased uh, demand, appetite for people who want to travel, and the supply is trying to catch up to it, Mr. Speaker. However, we are not resting, Mr. Speaker, until we fix these delays. We've increased resources at CATSA, at CBSA, at airports. We are working with airports, we're working with airlines, we're working with all stakeholders, and Mr. Speaker, we will do everything we can to ensure that travelers have a smooth experience. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. While that was happening, chaos simultaneously unfolded in Canada's busiest airport, Toronto Pearson, because of vaccine firings and because of cuts to security screening staff, courtesy of the feds. Uh, I was talking to Mark Mathot and some other guys. They're like, dude, it's like the Ministry of Travel or some guy, this goon. I looked at this guy. He's an absolute clown. He says all the weights He's blaming the travelers in Canada, these guys. These politicians are blaming the travelers, saying people forgot how to travel over COVID when they didn't. They're not ready to take their belts off. They're not ready to get their computers what? out. These, dude, this guy, these people, you travelers are causing these delays. Not our ridiculously insane mandates that, I'm not joking, could ruin Canada. How much does Canada thrive on tourism in the summers? Big dude, time. nobody's going to go to this place. You can't go to Pearson, I'm telling you. If you go to Pearson, you're the craziest motherfucker out there. I could have flown from Edmonton to Ireland, played a round of golf, then gone to Boston <laughs> in the quicker time than I went from Edmonton to Boston through Pearson. <laughs> so we can move on to the hockey, but I'll no, never, I, I'll never step a... foot again in that airport. I'll, I'll walk to Canada before I go to Pearson. <laughs> so Canadians are livid with the Liberals. Even people who were perfectly fine to get a vaccine just to get on a plane, those people are furious with how the Liberals are handling things. Even those people are being mugged by the airport reality. So now Justin Trudeau wants to be the savior. He does the very thing that he just voted against doing two weeks prior. He decides to end the vaccine mandates for rail and train travelers because he's politically desperate and not because there was any sort of shift in the science. 
But instead of being treated like a savior, a benevolent overlord to his serfs, Canadians on both sides of the vaccine debate see this as opportunistic and sleazy. If you were against the vaccine mandate, you're furious because Justin Trudeau just voted down a motion to end these things two weeks ago. And if you're for the vaccine mandates, you're also furious because Justin Trudeau just voted down a motion to end these things two weeks ago. Trudeau's enraged everybody across the spectrum. So he needs a break, some me time, some weed and nachos and Netflix and chill time. Well, the good news is Trudeau's got his old friend COVID. Yep, Justin Trudeau just tested positive for COVID for the second time in five months, four doses, double masked, surrounding himself with people who are also double masked and four dosed on airplanes with people who are also at least double dosed and masked. And Trudeau was just very recently in Los Angeles for the Summit of the Americas. That's the trip that he came home with COVID from. I want you to listen. He was audibly sick here. You, uh, your government today lifted uh, the requirement for random testing at airports. I'd just like to ask about the vaccine mandate requirement to board a flight, including domestic flights. Canada appears to be the last country in the world to have that requirement. Uh, we saw uh, transport ministers say there's a trade-off between public health and economic activity. I'd like to ask you, where in that equation do you factor in individual liberty, personal autonomy, you know, the right, the fundamental human right to mobility? Throughout this pandemic, Canadians were very clear that keeping their neighbours, keeping our frontline workers safe was the top priority. The freedom from sickness and disease, the freedom to be able to get through this pandemic as quickly as possible by leaning on science, which involved vaccine mandates, which Incidentally, we had an election that was almost entirely focused on and Canadians resoundingly voted in favour of parties that said they were going to bring in vaccine mandates to keep Canadians safe. And that's one of the reasons we got to close to 90% vaccination rate in Canada and the pandemic and the results of the pandemic on a health scale were far less serious in Canada, despite all the tragedies and loss we did face than in many other countries. And on top of that, our approach of following the best public health advice actually led to better outcomes in terms of reopening, in terms of getting back businesses, in terms of uh, economic recovery. We've recovered 115% of the jobs lost since February 2020, when the United States has only recovered about 95% of those jobs. We put the health and safety of Canadians first. We put economic recovery as a priority as well. And every step of the way we followed science to do that. And that's exactly what we're going to continue to do. He sounds congested there, right? Like audibly sick. And now Trudeau's positive for COVID and of course, thanking the vaccines that failed him twice. Actually, I'll have you know that summit was a super spreader event with a bunch of pro-mask vaccine tyrant politicians coming home sick. You see, becoming sick with COVID, it's a sign of a flaw in your moral character, unless you have all the doses. So yeah, of course, these people don't want COVID to end. And that's why they're changing the definition of fully vaccinated. It's not two doses anymore. It's up to date, which means always more and more. Take a listen.
what we also know from Dr. Tan and every other expert on COVID-19 is that although two doses still, still protects significantly well against severe disease and death, two doses are not enough now to protect against infection and transmission. And that is why we are transitioning now to an up-to-date vaccination definition of what it means to be adequately protected against COVID-19. Fully protected with two doses doesn't work anymore. Dr. Tam said that last Friday. It's now up-to-date vaccination that needs to be used when you talk about what Canadians should do, which we should expect of Canadians, and what this government should be expected to do. COVID is the great political escape hatch, isn't it? Stay with us. One of our newest rebels joins us after the break. I don't know if you've seen, but we've got a very young team that is starting to really rip it up in Ottawa, make waves and put the fear of accountability in quite a few politicians. And someone who has really been leading the charge on this file is William Diaz. Now, William joins us now from his home in Ottawa. And William, you may have seen, caught Transportation Minister off guard, Omar al-Jabra, Caught him on the street. And what I loved about that was I think all the other journalists in Ottawa knew that he was there, but it took a brand new Rebel News reporter to hold him to account. William, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, I was so impressed. I, I trained all the journalists here, but I was so impressed with just how calm you were when dealing with Al Jabra, it's tough to pigeonhole a politician as he's on the street like that. Um, what was going through your mind when you saw him? Well, honestly, the, at first I didn't even recognize him. I was walking with Lincoln because we thought after we went to the event, we thought, you know what, let's just go back to Parliament, ask a few people, you know, what they think of uh, the travel ban on vaccinated citizens. And I was walking with Lincoln and then we looked straight forward. He said, holy God, this is Omar Gabra. So we just took our microphone, he took his camera and I went straight towards him and asking the same questions that I asked everyone at the event, everyone in the street, what do you think about the fact that unvaccinated citizens still cannot travel in Canada? And he just wouldn't give me any answers. I think his only answers were, have a good evening and how are you? So I, I know you like to call him the transport goblin. I absolutely agree with with, uh, with, with that metaphor. Uh, when, when you're really next to him, you really see his eyes and you really see his face close up. Um, it's an experience. <laughs> yeah, and... You know, you were asking really good accountability questions because this is the man responsible for the discrimination against approximately 6 million Canadians at the time, uh, well, I guess until the 20th, too, who still cannot access rail or train travel in the second largest country by landmass on the face of the earth. Rail and train travel is essential for us to be able to get around inside of our own country in a timely fashion. This man is the guy discriminating against them. Secondarily, he's the guy behind the chaos at Canada's busiest airport, Pearson. And he didn't answer you because he thinks he doesn't have to be accountable. I think he looked terrible in that. No, 100%. And yeah, I went to Pearson Airport last week or I think two weeks ago. 
uh, approximately and it was absolute chaos it was absolutely ridiculous i never i never saw that in my whole life um so yeah he's the man behind that he he, he can't be held accountable i asked him some questions he just wouldn't answer he doesn't respect the fact that the people want to answer and i don't think it's actually just him i think it's everyone because yesterday i went in front of parliament and i saw Pablo Rodriguez, I saw David Lametti, I saw Sean Fraser, I saw so many MPs, and none of them would answer my question. I actually have a clip. I don't know if I don't know if it would be possible to just look at it right now. It's actually very very good. It's with Pablo Rodriguez. How do you feel about the fact that you're in the same party as someone that said shoots one of his constituents? Well, I think he apologized for that. Yeah, but he still did it. He did it, but he apologized. Okay. What do you think of Bill Bill C11? How will it how will it promote Canadian content, promote free speech? It censors speech. Thank you. It will give the government the power to censor speech. Who are you with? I'm with Rebel News. My name is William Diaz. Okay. I'll read the bill. Read yeah, the I read bill? it. And where is it written that the I, I'm asking you a question. No, how where is it? how no. would it promote no I'm the journalist, I'm asking no. you a question. How would it promote free speech? How on earth can it promote Did free you, speech? You didn't read the bill. I'm asking a question to you, sir. You're a minister. And I answer all the questions. You didn't you answer anything about my question. How would it promote free speech? Okay. You didn't answer anything. How would it promote free speech? Read your stuff. How would it promote free speech? <laughs> Sir, the Canadian people elected you. Can you give them an answer? How would it promote free speech? Will you be gracious enough to give me an answer, sir? Or are you just going to ignore the country? You're very disrespectful. I'm asking you a question. How would it promote free speech? It's a super quick question, sir. All right, thank you for not answering. Have a good day. He, he told me that I was disrespectful for, for pressuring him and asking him a simple question. Well, yeah, and that exchange right there is exactly why he's going to bring in C11 to crack down on independent news agencies just like us. He said you're disrespectful, and according to liberals, that is enough to get you censored because he doesn't feel safe on the street because tough questions from prickly journalists make him feel uncomfortable. But once again, this goes to my port point off the top of the show. Yeah. Why, why does it have to be a young Rebel News journalist in his first month at the company, you know, doorstepping this guy on the street? Where's the CBC? Where's the CTV? Where's Global News asking him this question? I'll tell you why. They're not asking it, and it's because they're in his pocket. And they know this this new legislation, censorship legislation, it's not going to curtail them because they don't say risky things. It's coming for us. No, 100%. I think that's one of the reasons why he has it, why he asked me who I was with. As soon as he saw it, I start, started challenging him. He asked me, who are you with? And that was actually the question that every other MP that I accosted asked me. David Lametti, I said, hey, sir. He turned away, looked at me for two seconds and turned back and then said nothing for the whole time he was walking towards West Block. I asked him about 10 questions. He didn't say anything. So this just really goes to show how unaccountable those politicians are and the state of freedom of the press in our country nowadays. They can't answer a simple question by a young reporter that has a, a, a cell phone, ha, ha, has a camera, and that, that has one microphone in his end. And, you know, just so people really understand what C11 is all about, it's called the Online Streaming Act. And its goal is to have the CRTC regulate online streaming platforms. So that's Netflix, that's Disney Plus, potentially YouTube, which is the world's second largest search engine. And it will promote things 
that the government likes and downrank things that the government doesn't like. And guess who that would be? And since we are a company that exists only on the internet um, and not on conventional terrestrial um, radio or TV or publishing like that, this targets people like us. Basically, this is the, um, you know, the, the hammer and we're the nail. And they couldn't contain us through other legislation. So this is what's coming for us. 100%. And yeah, no, it, it's all it's all ridiculous. Jordan Peterson said that this bill is the most dangerous bill since Bill C-16, and even probably more dangerous than Bill 16. And it absolutely is. The Soviet Union was the one where where the governments were censoring censoring content online. The Soviet Union decided they had a ministry to decide what content would be published online, and that's exactly what this bill would do. And none of the politicians, the the guy told me that I didn't read the bill and that it was going to promote free speech. He wasn't even able to answer how it would promote free speech. It's ridiculous. They, and the reason why he wasn't able to answer is because they don't believe in what they're saying. They know that it's not true. And they know that there isn't any substantial answer to that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I had two conservative MPs that were in a rush to go to their national caucus meeting. And I asked them the same question. And they were able to give me an answer in, in nine seconds about why they opposed the bill. So the people opposing the bill are able to answer the question in a short, timely manner. But the ones defending the bill and strongly advocating for it are not able to provide a single substantial answer to my questions. Now, I guess my qu that brings me to my next question. Do you even think Lametti knows what's in the bill? Do you think <laughs> he really knows what's in the bill or did somebody else draft it, this censorship legislation, and he's the guy out there selling it as protecting Canadian content? Um, do you think he even really knows? I'm not sure what the liberal knows right now, what the liberal party <laughs> knows. Uh, they're liberals. Liber liberals are always, 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 yeah. They're, they're liberals, <laughs> so I, I guess I guess I guess he read part of it. He read what the liberals wrote because, that, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Mr. Pablo wanted me to to read the bill because he wanted me to read what uh, the liberal party wrote, and he wanted me to read uh, the unicorns that the liberal party were saying uh, was sale, uh, was selling. Um, so yeah, I, I think he knows what the liberal party wrote, but I don't think he fully understands uh, the depth of the bill. Yeah, I think you know some. It's like listening to some people talk about cryptocurrency and I don't know a lot about it, but I know when somebody else doesn't know very much about it. <laughs> and it's, it's uh, like listening to um, an older person get a new cell phone and try to understand what's going on. I think for a lot of the liberals who are used to the CBCs of the world, they really don't understand the digital media realm. And so some of them completely understand and they realize what this bill is designed to do to people like us. And I, I think a, maybe some more of them are not evil, but just completely wrong and don't have a clue. Yeah. And just incompetent too. That's not, that, yeah. that, that's an ad adjective that we can add to. Yeah. 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 Incompetent and crass. Um, I'm, I'm just happy you didn't get told to F off on the street there. <laughs> Yeah, I was almost told that uh, one, one, uh, Sean Fraser, who was talking with his uh, liberal buddy, um, they were having a personal conversation. And I went to ask them, again, a simple question that can be answered in 10 seconds. The conservatives did it. The question can be answered in 10 seconds. Why does Bill C-11 promote free speech? What he says, what 
was, could you please let me finish my personal conversation with my friend? I'm having a personal conversation here. So you prefer, you've been elected by, by the people, you're here to represent the people, you're, you're here to answer questions, and you prefer to have a personal conversation with one of your buddy instead of answering a question about Bill that you're so strongly advocating for. You know what, William, I think a couple more interactions with you and these liberal politicians and I don't think we're going to see them on the street anymore. I think they're going to be scared. I think they're going to be hopping cabs and Ubers and, and you know, going in under t underground tunnels to get to wherever they're going because um, the streets are not free and easy for them anymore. It's not the times when CBC and the mainstream media were the ones in charge of journalism in Ottawa. We're there now. We've got a presence. And in just a couple of interactions, I think the fear of God has been put into these liberal politicians, but also to the conservatives, too. They need to know that we're out there to ask them tough questions, too, like, what are you doing about all this censorship? Of course, of course. Yeah, yesterday I was more focused on uh, on liberal MPs because uh, the conservatives were having their national caucus. And as as a, uh, since we're rebel news, we don't have access to West Block in order to answer. Doesn't mean we can't do journalism, though. So yesterday I was really focused on the liberal, but I'm always willing to ask questions to any politician that I encounter. Uh, the one I really want to meet right now is, is um, I, I want to meet uh, Marco Mendicino. I didn't have the chance to meet him yet, but you can be sure that whenever whenever I have the chance to go, I'll, I'll stay there and I'll make sure to be able to to ask him, ask him some tough questions as well. Oh, he's going to be walking around in a disguise. In a mask. <laughs> now, yeah, in a mask. Um, I should let you go, William. I know you've got a lot of work today uh, to do today um, to hold politicians to account. But boy, I'm so impressed with the work that you're doing so far. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, thanks. You. Thanks. You. Have a good day, too. Stay with us. More up next after the break. Actually, your letters to Ezra read by me up next after the break. of the show that Ezra used to say he would take your letters but also hate mail but you know what we don't get a lot of hate mail our haters it might be a little bit too much like work for them to <laughs> send us some hate mail so we'll read your questions your comments to us because unlike the mainstream media we do actually want to hear from you we leave our comments section open um, because we live and die on the support and feedback of our viewers at home so on a story that a school sent out warnings that they were handing out Canadian flags for Canada Day, asking parents if they wish to opt out. Isn't it weird? Because they very rarely warn you that you could opt out of some sort of bizarre comprehensive sex ed, but they're sending letters offering to <laughs> opt you out of Canada Day flags. Anyway, LT writes, this is what's wrong with the education system. Schools need to ask parents permission to accept the Canadian flag but say nothing about the kid's gender to parents. Exactly. It seems most of these educators are not interested in protecting our kids. They are more interested in protecting their job. Isn't that the truth? There are rules all across this country in different school systems and in different provinces that say, if your child is struggling with their gender, and as we know, children who struggle with their gender are at exponentially higher risk of committing self-harm or suicide, something a parent should know about, they don't have to tell you. So they don't have to put 
parents on alert for this very dangerous, sometimes fatal condition. They can even allow your child to start using a different name at school. Your female daughter can start using a male name and teachers will use it and they don't even have to tell you. And yet they're worried if you might find the flag offensive. Insane. On a story about what the Canadian flag represents to you, Deb McKenzie writes, sadness due to what has become of this beautiful country. People divided and fueled by our prime minister. The worst is yet to come. Buckle up for the fall when our prime minister turns the screws tighter against the Canadian people. I do think that the COVID lockdowns are not gone. I actually think they've been normalized a little bit. And as an Albertan, I don't have to look very much further than Jason Kenney's open for good, open for summer, best summer ever, never going back um, last summer. And the lockdowns hit us in the fall again, because all it took were a few public health officers and TV doctors to complain about the state of the healthcare system and a potential catastrophe unfolding in the healthcare system when we know in Canada we're only just like that far away from a catastrophe anyways because of our rationed publicly funded healthcare system. That all it took was some pressure and he locked us down again. And that's an allegedly conservative premier. Imagine what Justin Trudeau will do to you especially when Justin Trudeau doesn't like you. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody in the office for putting the show together as I try to put it together from home. Thanks to the big boss man uh, for trusting me with his show tonight. I'm not sure who will be back in the chair tomorrow, whether it's Ezra or somebody else, but I don't think it'll be me. And as Ezra always says, keep fighting for freedom. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini, and some of you may recall where I featured a report on the Tim's camp requiring full vaccination of their campers to attend camps across North America. It's why I launched a petition at LetKidsCamp.com, and I'd love to see that get to 30,000 signatories in the next few days. So please, if you can, share this video or share my previous reports or just the petition itself with your friends and family. See, the issue came to me by a concerned parent who had a child registered at camp who was not comfortable with declaring or disclosing their personal and private medical information. Shortly after my report was published, a boycott Tim Hortons hashtag and campaign went viral on social media with word of the heavy-handed, unscientific mandate reaching mainstream. This discriminatory policy is also being implemented by other youth organizations like Air Cadets, who also require campers to be fully vaccinated, and Scouts Canada, who is still imposing outdated vaccine mandates on eligible youth members, participants, and staff, as evidenced by countless parents who reach out to me sharing these policies. The Tim's one seemed a bit sneaky, though, because Tim's didn't have a formal policy posted anywhere on their website. It was like they wanted to implement this harsh policy, but simultaneously couldn't attest to it anywhere publicly. This, let me remind you, is the same foreign-owned corporation that tracked all of its customers' location and spending data to see where else they were buying coffee. 
in a colossal breach of what the Canadian Federal Privacy Commission referred to as a mass invasion of Canadians' privacy. Even when you weren't actively in the app, it tracked and traced your every move, and they used it to look for patterns and changes in where and when Canadians picked up their double doubles. In Canada, that's the fancy name for Tim Horton's most famous drink, a coffee with two cream and two sugars. Yes, we're supposed to be trusting in this corporation to implement appropriate and proportional health and safety policies on our youth behind closed doors, because again, they don't publish anything to do with their vaccine requirement publicly and they don't respond to any requests for clarification as evidenced by the numerous emails I have sent to which I've garnered exactly zero response. But this concerned parent was finally able to forward me a formal vaccine policy that was included in the same email where Julie Prohl notes that she won't approve the child if the parent does not upload their medical documents. It confirms that Fully vaccinated means having received a two-dose series. Despite the fact that we know using real-world data that these injections do not prevent COVID-19 transmission or infection. The policy goes on to say that if the definition of fully vaccinated changes to include a booster slash third dose, they will be in touch. Yeah, I bet they will. Because you must submit and surrender to all of their questions, but they don't have to answer any of yours. They care about health and safety with their sugar and trans fat processed food. If you agree that this is an outlandish, out of date, out of touch and discriminatory policy, then sign our petition at letkidscamp.com. Unlike Tim Hortons, who promised you could download their app and trust them only to track your order-related data, you can trust us with your data, and you can trust that I am heading into the head office to submit this petition personally in the coming days, so please stay tuned for that update. For Rebel News, I'm Tamara Ugolini.